So at this point in the semester, um, some of you are learning some hard truths about yourself. And maybe you saw the warning signs in high school. There were glimpses of it in advanced English or in speech class or in some any class really where you had a group project. And now you've, um, you're here at college and you've noticed some of the same things happening. You get a syllabus at the beginning of the semester and you have this vague recollection of a professor talking about a project or a paper due at the end of the semester. And now as we're approaching the end of the semester, you're realizing that he really meant it when he put it on the syllabus and said that it was due and you haven't touched it until now. And you're realizing that you may have a problem with procrastination. Anybody that can relate to that in the room tonight? Procrastination. Um, we procrastinate homework, maybe cleaning your room, grocery shopping, uh, doing your laundry. Like any of those things that don't seem fun can often be the subjects of procrastination. We also procrastinate in our spiritual lives. And last week, Lindsay kicked off this new series of Here, Now, um, by talking about um, this idea of spending time with God, that this is something that we need to be doing here and now. As followers of Jesus, this is, this is the time that we need to be doing that and not putting that off. So how many of you this week attempted the first 15? She talked about doing this first 15, giving God your first 15 minutes of your day. How many of you attempted it? Yes? Way to go. Good job. Good job. How many of you thought about it and set your alarm, and then the alarm went off, and then you're like, uh, yeah? Or maybe you set your alarm, and you woke up, and then you thought, well, I'll just check Instagram, and Snapchat, and TikTok, and then you were like, no, I got to go to class, right? Again, the procrastination at work. Sometimes we procrastinate getting involved in a church. I think when I'm older, I'll do that. Or um, trusting God with our money, learning to tithe and giving him uh, what he deserves in that way, or growing in other areas of our faith. But as we've seen this semester earlier, as we were looking at the life of Jesus and people who encountered him, just like normal, ordinary people like us, um, Jesus doesn't typically tell people to wait to follow him, right? He doesn't usually like hold people off and say, I don't, you know, give it some time, think about it. Um, Jesus talks a lot about obedience and, and kind of assumes that it's going to be an immediate thing. That's what we see. He says, come and see. And the sons of Zebedee, um, they drop their fishing nets and they leave their dad working in the boat and they follow, right? Well, Jesus invites us to follow him here now to begin doing the things that he did. Not when we get our lives together, not when we're more spiritual, not when we know how to do things perfectly, not when we're real grown-ups, but here, now, as followers of Jesus. So tonight we're going to talk about prayer. And there's some things I think that trip us up with prayer a little bit. Um, I think some of us feel like we have to have this like very dramatic Old English language in order to pray, like, Holy Father, thou doth Give us many things, you know. We think that we have to say the right words in the right way in order to pray, and so that kind of freaks us out that maybe we don't want to do that, or maybe we don't know what to talk to God about. Or maybe, honestly, 
there might be times when we just wonder, like, does it really make a difference? He already knows. <laughs> he knows what we're thinking. Um, he's the God of the universe. He's going to kind of do what he wants. Does it really make a difference if I take time to pray? But here's what I want us to see tonight, is that there is a pattern in Scripture, in God's Word, of God working supernaturally when believers pray for one another and pray for God's mission. There's a pattern in Scripture of God working supernaturally when believers pray for one another and pray for God's mission. We call this kind of prayer intercession. There's lots of different kinds of prayer, um, but this is intercession. And intercession is this. It's the place where we join with Jesus in praying for God's will to be done in the lives and the circumstances of those we love. This is what intercession is. So alongside this topic of intercession, tonight we're going to start something new um, here at CSF. The welcome team has a prayer box at the connection table in the back, that blue tablecloth back there. Um, and so if there are things that you need prayer for, this is for you personally. Um, if you want us to pray for something, you can write, fill out a little form back there and stick it in the box, and a CSF staff member or student leader or somebody on the welcome team um, will see that and will pray for that need. And you can even mark if you want that to be confidential. Um, but that's something that we're going to start doing every week at, the, at um, Monday Night Worship. And so you can fill those out before the service or after the service every week. So those will be back there. We're going to start doing this because we believe that prayer is powerful and that the examples that we see in Scripture are clear that we should be praying for one another, that God answers prayers and that, um, that prayers are powerful. So um, I want to look tonight maybe at some things about prayer that, that perhaps we haven't thought about before. Um, I want to start by thinking about our role in prayer. And I want to begin in Genesis. So in the very first book of the Bible, the very first chapter, um, Genesis chapter 1, we see our role. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, um, we see that God's original plan was for the humans that he created to collaborate with him on running the earth and ruling the earth. How cool is that? We were made to rule. So we're going to read 22 through 20, or 26 through 28. And this is from the message translation. God spoke, Let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature, so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them godlike reflecting God's nature. He created the male and female. God blessed them. Prosper, reproduce, fill earth, take charge. Be responsible for fish in the sea and birds in the air for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. My kids sometimes accuse me of wanting to like run their lives and I, you know, I now just want to respond and say, this is my job, okay? My job is to rule over you. Um, as your mom, but also as, a, as someone that God has created. But we see this here in the creation story. We see that God gives us the role of caretaker. We're to take care of the earth and everything in it. Animals, um, birds in the air, 
maybe your neighbors, your family, your classmates, we're responsible for caring for everything on the earth. That's our role, and that, that job is given to all of us here. If we continue on, flip over to the next book of the Bible, Exodus, Exodus chapter 32, um, we see another kind of aspect of this. Moses, just to give you some backstory, has led the Israelites, God's chosen people, out of slavery in Egypt. So he leads them out of slavery into the wilderness, and um, Moses goes up onto a mountaintop to get instructions from God. And when he gets back, he sees that the people have completely lost their minds. They've completely lost it, and they have lost confidence in God. They made a calf out of gold and decided to worship the cow instead of worshiping God. And God is pretty ticked off about the whole thing. And that's where we pick up in Exodus 32, verse 9. The Lord also said to Moses, I have seen this people, and they are indeed stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger can burn against them and I can destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation, you Moses. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, why does your anger burn against your people you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a strong hand? Why should the Egyptians say he brought them out with an evil intent to kill them in the mountains and eliminate them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger and relent concerning this disaster planned for your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You swore to them by yourself and declared, I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky and give your offspring all this land that I have promised, and they will inherit it forever. Listen to this. So the Lord relented concerning the disaster that he said he would bring on his people. Here we see Moses respond to God, and some might even say argue with God. We see him contending with God is a word that I like. This, this word contending um, can mean like struggling or standing firm in your argument. And it's a word that indicates kind of a pushing forward. We see Moses sort of pushing forward against God and standing up for the Israelites. Um, earlier we said that intercession is the place where we join in praying for God's will to be done in the lives and circumstances of those we love, right? And this is what Moses is doing. This is what Moses is doing. The people that he loves, the Israelites, even though they've lost their minds and they're totally ruining it, Moses stands up for them. He cares about them. He is responsible for this group of people. And in verse 14, we see that it makes a difference. That Moses contending for the people that he cares for makes a difference. And God relents, meaning he gives in or he allows his mind to be changed. This is a little tricky, okay? And there are some people that have real problems with this. Um, some people think that God can't be God if we can be allowed to change his mind. You feel, do you can follow that argument? That this is kind of theologically maybe a little bit sticky, but I want you to pay attention to what's happening here in Exodus 32. God's character does not change, right? Um, 
God is still God. He is still in charge. Who he is doesn't change. But when Moses talks to God about the people, it says that God relents. And so here's something that we learn about God. He doesn't ever change, but he is responsive. God is responsive. He responds to his children. And isn't that what a good father does? A good father is going to listen to his children. As a parent, I know that it's not always possible to relent, right? When my kid asks me for ridiculous things, there are some times when I'm not going to do that. But there are other times when my children ask me for something, and even if I have said one thing or thought another thing, if I'm a good parent, I may reconsider. Thankfully, God is not going to give us something that's harmful for us. He's not just going to listen to our whims, like the Evan Almighty movie where people start to get everything that they want. Um, God doesn't give us things that are harmful for us just because we ask. I'm so thankful for that because I think about the boyfriends that I prayed about, right? I think about the jobs that I really, really wanted or the timing that I thought was perfect in my life and God didn't do that because he knew it was best for me. But God listens and he collaborates with us in ruling the earth. And I just think that's really important. I think it's really cool. And perhaps that will change our perspective about prayer. Blaise Pascal was a 16th century mathematician and philosopher. And he said this, God has instituted prayer so as to confer upon his created ones the dignity of causality. God has instituted prayer so as to confer upon his created ones the dignity of causality. I love that phrase, the dignity of causality. God could make all these decisions on his own. God could rule the earth all on his own without our help. But he offers us the dignity of being participants in what he's doing, of being co-laborers, of being partners in what he's doing on the earth. I have a daughter. uh, I have three daughters. My youngest daughter is the only one left at home. Right now, she's in this stage where she really loves to bake. And so she asked me a few weeks ago if she could bake my birthday cake for me, and I said yes. And um, the problem is she's not great at following directions. And so um, even though... uh, I know that this is going to take a little bit of extra work on my part. I want to give her these opportunities to learn to bake, right? I mean, I want her eventually to be able to bake a cake without my help. So this week was my birthday, and, um, and so she starts baking, and I hear an uh-oh from the kitchen. And so I said, well, what's wrong? She said, this looks really watery. I don't know why it looks watery. I put in three cups of water. I said, did it call for three cups of water? She said, yeah, it's got the three, four, so three out of four, which would be three-fourths of a cup of water. So we got in the car, and we went to the grocery store, and we bought another cake mix, and we brought it home. And then we spent some time in the kitchen talking about fractions and talking about measuring things. And um, the cupcakes turned out beautifully. Um, But those kinds of things do several things. It teaches my daughter how to bake so that when I'm not around, 
hopefully she'll be able to do it on her own. It brings us closer together, that we get to have this common experience together. We get this time together to work. It helps her understand um, why I do the things that I do, because I can explain it to her as we go, as we're doing this. And that's a little, it's a little bit like what God does when he invites us to be a part of ruling the earth with him. He doesn't need us. We totally screw it up sometimes. But he wants to give us the dignity of partnering with him. And it teaches us to begin to think like him a little bit more. To begin to understand a little bit more why he does the things that he does. So our role is to collaborate and to participate with God in prayer. I want to talk about our focus when we pray. I think sometimes it's intimidating or hard because we don't always know what to pray, right? Um, how do I, I know I want to pray for this person, but I don't know what to say or what to pray for them. In those times, I really like to think about what are the things that are most important to God? If I'm going to pray for my friend, what are the things that are most important to God? And you can find that often in scripture. If you've been in a small group this semester, um, We've been studying the book of Philippians, and Philippians has some great prayers in it, doesn't it? Like things that we can just take right out and apply into our prayer life and pray for people. And there are all kinds of things in Scripture, thinking about things that Jesus prayed or somebody like Paul. And so here are just a few that I put up on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, um, where, and I'm not going to read through all of these just for time's sake, but this idea that um, Paul kind of slightly addresses hardship. We would fully address hardship. Like, hardship is the thing that we focus on when we pray for people. This terrible thing happens. But Paul talks about in this prayer that um, he wants people to give thanks when they see God answer prayer. That's his goal, not so much about the hardship. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul prays that I might be bold enough to speak about things as I should. And before then, he says, for this I'm an ambassador in chains. So um, he doesn't say, hey, you know, I'm in prison. Could you pray that I would be released from prison? Could you pray that I get better food in prison? Could you pray that, like, he doesn't pray and talk about any of these things. He doesn't focus on the fact that he's in chains. He doesn't ask to be freed. He prays that the needs of the people, the good news about Jesus, would be proclaimed. That's what's important. That's what God wants. That's what Paul wants. Colossians chapter 4, um, verse 12 says, Epaphras who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the, in, in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. So these are people that are praying that the people at Colossae would stand firm in the will of God. Their faith would be mature. More than circumstances, Paul prays for things like character. He prays for things like maturity and things like faith. Those are the things that are important to God. Those are the kinds of things that we can pray for and pray about. When we partner with God, we're going to pray about the things that matter most to him. We're going to pray about the character and the faith and the maturity of our family and our friends. Um, we're going to pray that the good news of Jesus will be proclaimed fearlessly. So that's the focus of our prayer. And then finally, I want to talk about the method, how we want to pray, and what intercession looks like. Um, we're going to look at Luke chapter 11. Um, this is a parable that Jesus tells. So this is Jesus speaking, um, beginning with verse 5. He said, he also said to them, 
Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight, and he says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine is on a journey, has come to me, and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he'll answer from inside and say, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children and I have gone to bed, and I can't give up, I can't get up to get you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, and some translations say shameless audacity, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So Jesus tells a parable about a man who needs bread from his neighbor. And even though the neighbor answers no, the man contends. He continues to knock and to ask the neighbor until finally the neighbor relents. And this has been kind of confusing to me in the past. Like, is God saying that we just need to be a pest? We just need to be annoying? We just need to keep asking and asking and asking? Like a kid who keeps asking for a puppy. Is he saying that we, if we just harass God enough, that God will go, okay, you know, is that how God works? Um, I don't think so. I think what he's saying is he wants us to be persistent. He wants us to ask with shameless audacity, with shameless boldness, um, to bring our requests before God and to contend on behalf of the people around us not caring who it bothers or how much of a long shot it is or who you annoy, but to care about the people that are entrusted to you enough that you would do whatever it takes to go to bat for them before God, just like that persistent neighbor. And I was convicted of this recently um, when a friend told me that Emmanuel was praying for her chronic illness. So my friend's chronic illness, Emmanuel was, was praying for that. And um, here's the thing, like I've known this person for years and I hadn't really thought about praying for this chronic illness because it was chronic. Like, you know, they were going to have it for a long, long time. Most people do. But Emmanuel thought differently about that. Like Emmanuel has this shameless audacity that she might pray for something that seems impossible And it got me thinking about my own prayer life. And so I asked Emmanuel to come up and share just a little bit about um, what she knows about God because of her prayer life. Would you come up, Emmanuel? Make her feel welcome. Okay, we're sharing this microphone. So, um, Emmanuel, I want you to just tell us a little bit about what you have experienced, like what you know about God because of your prayer life and how he's been active in that? Um, well, I think um, it's um, important to know that, like, well, I see God more like a friend and like somebody that um, really, I think we can all agree that you can't, you, you don't really call somebody friend unless you actually talk to the person. So I feel like I see God as a friend and he's always like, talk to me, like, like share this with me um if you if you're sad if you are joyful like share this with me because he's a friend of us so it's really how I see God like somebody that wants to be part of my life and that doesn't want to be like left out you know so what is like intercessory prayer look like for you like in your life are there some habits or some practices that you have that you pray regularly for people well yeah I um 
I have this alarm that I set, like, uh, yeah, a couple of time ago, because it just, like, helps me. Like, I set it at, like, 8 something, because I'm most likely to wake up at that time. So um, I have this alarm, and then um, I also have a prayer list. And one of the biggest things I'll say, it's, like, I have, like, a long drive back home and, like, to school. So uh, it's really this time that I used to, like, pray a lot because I'm just sitting in the car and I'm like, that's like just the perfect time for me to be praying for others and for myself. Yeah, great. And have there been times that you have seen God answer prayers? Mm -hmm. And can, do you have any stories of those that you would share with us? Yeah, well, actually I had some stories wrote down, but I think I'm gonna share this. We, uh, my church has this um, nursing home ministry and so one day I went there and I did some music there and at the end we prayed for people. And this, uh, el like this old woman was like, um, my son is going to cancer and cancer and all this stuff. And I was really, I think it's like when you have like compassion for people and you kind of like relate to them better. Mm -hmm. And so I was really touched by it because she seemed like really sad and it's really like, I mean, I don't know, it's really like touched me. And so I, I put it, it's actually the reason why I said this alarm. And so I just added some other prayer requests, but she was the reason why I said it. And so um, I said this alarm and every time it would like go off, then I would like pray for her. And the last time I went there, she was like, um, I think her son is going to uh, through chemo, mm -hmm. but he's doing a lot better. So it's really encouraging to see how God is like working when we really like um, trust him and share what we have, like, the way we care for people with him and really ask him to, like, heal them. Yeah. All right, thank you. I like, I'm, I'm thankful for Emmanuel's testimony because it's nothing, like, super spectacular special, right? She makes a decision I'm going to pray for people. And that's kind of hard for me to remember, so I'm going to set an alarm to remind me to pray for people. And I'm going to continue to do it um, just to be faithful in doing that. And that's what it looks like for us to be followers of Jesus here now. To do that, to begin to pray for people, to take our role in partnering with God and looking around and to see who God has put around us that we need to care for. We need to care about their health. We need to care about their relationships. We need to care about their spiritual life. Um, that's what we've been called to do. So I, everybody got a card on your seat, um, a prayer card. I want to encourage you to make a list like what Emmanuel has. And I know some of you have already started something like this. But to think about who are the people that God has put in my life that I need to care for in this way by praying for them in bigger little ways. And so when I think about this, um, I think I start with the people that are closest to me. So people that are on my list that I pray for regularly are like my family, my husband, my children, my siblings, my parents. And then we branch out a little bit and it's the Lasleys and their children. And it's my small group and it's the girls that I meet with on campus. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so the people that are closest to me, so maybe it's your family, maybe it's your roommates, maybe it's teammates, maybe it's classmates. But thinking about 
a few people, and I don't want you to go crazy. I want you to think about a few. Maybe start small with a few people. And we're going to pray here as we close um, for God to give you maybe some special clarity because there are lots and lots of people that we could be praying for, and sometimes that can be overwhelming. But to put a few names on this list tonight and then to decide, maybe I'm going to pray for these people every day at a certain time. Or it could be that, like, I'm going to pray for them on different days. Like, maybe, you know, on Monday, I'm going to pray for Caitlin, and on 